Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Three weeks ago, we started this series on worship. And uh, Pastor Christine did the intro to that, did a great job. Last, two weeks ago, I taught on my role, what's my role in worship. And last week, I talked about intimate worship. And this morning, I want to talk about worship being a choice. And I want to draw a comparison as we go through this teaching this morning that's, that seems a little bit odd, but if you'll stay with me, we'll get through this thing. So worship is a choice. I want to talk a little bit more about intimate worship um, I want you to, to consider this question. Uh, you don't have to answer out loud, but is worship an attitude or an action? I have an answer for you. I think it's the right one. I, I would say both. It's both. All right. So true worship comes from our heart. And uh, the expressions of our worship originates in our heart, but is expressed through our life. So true worship originates in our heart, but it's expressed through our life. Um, worship is the expression of our adoration to the Lord. And so as we understand that what the Lord has done for us, all that he's done for us, it has an impact on our worship. Because if we, if we think we don't need the Lord or we're good enough, then we may not have any adoration for him. But when we begin to understand what holiness is and how far from holiness we are, the word says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Our righteousness, our best that we could do is as filthy rags, the Bible says, compared to God's holiness and righteousness. But when we look at all the things that he's done for us, worship should be uh, an expression of our adoration to him. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what kind of life you've lived. I don't know what kind of things that you've been involved in. But I know that God has delivered me from some things, and I'm grateful, and I'm thankful. And as I continue in this continuum of this process of this relationship building with him, God continues to expose more. And I find that uh, the more I am connected with him, the greater work and health and healing that needs to take place in my life. So worship is the expression of adoration to the Lord. Last week I talked a little bit about this. Worship is, is connected to our worth and appreciation of him. And worth is, is tied to something of value. Um, and so we can talk about worship. We can also uh, kind of rename re, uh, that as worthship. Is he worth our worship? We're, we're, he is worthy of our worship. So uh, you can call it worth, worthship. That's kind of a tricky thing to say there. But worship to the Lord is tied to our relationship with him. So if you've been coming here more than a week or two, you know that our target is this personal, intimate relationship with him. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And uh, I, I've talked to people in the past, and I've asked them things like, well, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Well, my parents are saved. Okay, that's great. What about you? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Well, my, my granddad's a pastor. That's great. 
<laughs> but do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, I go to church. Okay, let me ask you again. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because like our relationship with Jesus is this thing about worship. We can't have Juan and the team worship for us. They're worshiping, but we need to engage with him because this is a personal thing. It's not putting on a show where we go and, and we're entertained and, and other people worship for us. Like, no one can enter heaven or receive salvation for us. It's a personal thing. And so worship is similar to that. It, um, salvation comes because I've asked forgiveness for all my sins and I've accepted Christ into my life. In case you didn't know how to do that. Uh, my worship is my personal participation and engagement with the Lord. And that's one thing that we can give back to the Lord is our worship. But our heart needs to have some love and adoration and expression of worship because he's worth our worship. I want to draw sort of a contrast here. I want to talk about sin for a minute. Sin is disobedience. Simply defined, it's disobedience. The Lord says, stay within these boundaries, and it's good. You step out of these boundaries, and it's bad. So sin is really disobedience. The polar opposite of sin really, in my mind, is obedience. So if we're obedient to the Word of God, not legalistic or ritualistic or religious, but if we're obedient to the things that the Lord asks us to do, then we are not going to be walking in sin. We're not going to be making choices to sin. So there's a contrast here between our choices to sin, to disobey. Let me, let me put it that way. We have the, the choice to disobey or to obey the Lord, right? And worship, is, is, uh, worship and sin both have internal and external expressions. Um, worship is a choice. And so I'm comparing here... Uh, the expressions of worship that we just experienced and, and contrasting that with sin. The expressions of worship and sin are two polar opposites. Because of, Now let me read this again. The expressions of worship and sin are two polar opposites. Uh, worship moves us toward this awesome relationship with Jesus, and sin drives a wedge between us and the Lord. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 8, 38 and 39, and I am convinced that nothing, say nothing, nothing. and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from his love, nothing. And then he goes on to say, neither death nor life, and I thought this was interesting, Death, okay, we could maybe see that, but life? How could life separate us from the love of God? I mean, it can't, but if he's giving some examples here of things that cannot. And I was thinking about life. Well, we get caught up. We get caught up in our day-to-day -day activities. We, we get caught up and we may go to church and sit in a, a chair, but are we connecting with him? Are we relating to him? Are we yielding to him? Are we allowing him to speak into our life? So Paul is saying nothing can separate us from God, from the love of God. But he says, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Do you ever fear about today or do you ever worry about tomorrow? I think Paul is just saying, hey, listen, let me, let, let me explain to you what nothing means. The things that we think could be something, he's saying these are nothing. And, and, and the ability to separate us from God's love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. And I was thinking, what's the power in the sky? Lightning, hurricanes, tornadoes. What's in the earth below? Floods? Volcanoes? No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so let me say this too. God's love is not performance-based. God's love is grace-based. God's love is always available to us. However, there are consequences for sin. There are consequences for disobedience. Imagine that your son, your daughter, your grandson, granddaughter uh, gets a, a DUI. They're driving while intoxicated. Maybe they have an accident. Maybe they hurt someone. Maybe they even kill someone. And maybe they end up having to go to prison. Okay, so let me ask you, do you, do you still love them? Yeah, <laughs> the answer would be yes. You still love them, but has there been a, a, a change in the relationship? I mean, if they're in prison, you can't just call them up on the phone. Hey, what's going on today? I want to, you know, I want to know about your day or whatever. And there, there may be there may be consequences, but it doesn't separate. It doesn't change your love for them. You may be hurting for them, and it may drive a wedge in the relationship if someone does something inappropriate or uh, you know something like that. But it doesn't mean that you stop loving them. And so when we understand that that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love, but there are some things that can impact the relationship. Because you've seen, we've seen people that uh, move powerfully, that God used powerfully, and then they, they sin and, and uh, you know, something happens. And that, that anointing can be removed. God doesn't take away the giftings because the giftings of God are irrevocable. God is not uh, going to give us something and then take it away as far as our giftings go, but he can remove the anointing. The people that I know that move mightily in the, God, in, in the, in the Holy Spirit and, and in power are not perfect people, but they live a lifestyle that's reflective of having this relationship with Jesus and not living a lifestyle, a continual lifestyle of sin. Again, let me be clear, uh, God's love and his grace is not performance-based. It's grace-based. But I, I want to draw a contrast here between sin and the choices that we make and the choices that we make in, in worship. Um, our love is often conditional. If you jump through the hoops that I want you to jump through, then I love you. But God's love is always always unconditional he loves us it doesn't matter how we how we act 
or are the things that we do that would maybe be uh, push, push God away. He still loves us. His love is unconditional. So my first point um, was worship and sin both have internal and external expressions. My second point is worship should be demonstrated by the way we live our life. James 1, 13 through 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. God's desire is, is for us to have this relationship. He's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to uh, trick us into something. But he, and he doesn't tempt us. Now, he will test us. It, imagine that you're the owner of a company or a manager or something like that, and you have a big project coming up. And you want, you want to, uh, to see if, if, if this person can handle it. So maybe you give them a smaller project. And you say, hey, listen, we've got this project here, and I want, you to, I want you to take charge. I want you to be the project manager, and I want you to run this thing, and, and uh, let's, let's do this thing and get this job done. And so uh, that person is able to successfully run that project, and everything goes well. And so now this boss or this owner comes back to this guy and says, hey, listen, we've got another project coming up. The scope of this is ten times as large as what you just did. But you did well. And I want you to take on this project. And so is God going to do less for us than when, when we're leading his people, when we're uh, supposed to be ministering to his people? God wants us to to uh, be obedient to what he's asked us to do. He wants us to do well. Again, this is not about performance, but God will give us tests. And I remember in school, how many of you like tests? Oh, you liked them. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I didn't like them too much. But tests are good because they, they give you an idea of, of your grasp of the material and how you're doing in the class. And if you're not doing so well on the test, you know that you need to ramp it up. So let me go back to this. Um, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I would say that most of our sins are premeditated. Think about um, a sin in your life, maybe something that you've, uh, you've done in the past, maybe something that you know was a sin. And just think about something, uh, or if you don't have anything, I'm sure you can come up with something. Uh, now, now, let's say you have a, a concealed handgun license. And you're, you're walking down the street, and, you, and all of a sudden you, you notice that there's a bank right there. More than likely, a person's not just going to, just on a whim, go in and rob the bank. They're going to be thinking about it. They're going to they're plan this. And I think many times uh, sin is like that. It's premeditated. Oh, well, wait, it's Friday, it's payday, I'm getting off work. You know what, I think I'm going to stop by Specs and get a fifth of whiskey. I know I shouldn't do that because I go home, my wife and I get in a fight, or, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the dealer in the hood and get a bag of weed. It's payday. Or, you know, I'm going to go to the, 
the dance club, the strip club. I mean, more than likely, those things just kind of come, right? They may be spontaneous, but many times they're not. So often we make a choice before we get to that place. And temptation comes from our own ungodly desires. Let's look at James 1.14. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. And so sin begins in our own ungodly desires, lust, passions, longings, eagerness. Let's look at James 1.14 in the New American Standard Bible. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Where in the New Living Translation, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. And, and so it's our own lust and desires that drag us away. It's like, well, you know, I, I know I'm not supposed to, to, to you know, I know that's, that's where I should be going, but, you know, I, I'm kind of being dragged away here. <laughs> and so that's what happens as, as this thing becomes birthed in our mind and, and in our desire to walk this thing out. We know, we know that we shouldn't go there. We know that we shouldn't do it. But yet, how many times do we do it? <laughs> All right, Philippians 4, uh, well, let me, let me say this too. These desires can entice us and drag us away. Okay, so just because you have a temptation doesn't mean you have to succumb to it. Um, the Greek word for carried away or dragged away is draw away from the right place to, or to be carried away. Philippians 4, 8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. Fix your thoughts on what's right. Fix your thoughts on what's pure. Fix your thoughts on what's lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. So when the temptations come, and they will come, there's, you know, temptations come to all of us, but what do we do with that temptation? Do we begin to shift and say, wait a minute, I'm going to think on the things that are true and right and admirable, worthy of praise. James 1.15, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Let me look at this in the uh, New American Standard Bible. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Conception happens before birth, right? So these things are conceived in us before they give birth to death. And uh, the Greek word for conceive here is to take part with. So it's not necessarily just talking about birthing something, but it's talking about to take part with, to take part with, or to uh, collect, or seize, or apprehend, or assist, or to become pregnant with. The Greek word for birth is to bring forth, bear, produce, begat, yield. So our fleshly carnal desires can lead us to begin to conceive things that will eventually lead to birth of sin and which leads to death. James 1.15, these desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. If sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That is a result of that and produces and yields this death. So that could be a physical death 
someone that's abusing drugs or alcohol or something like that, that could lead to a physical death. It could lead to a spiritual death. It could lead to the death of a marriage. It could lead to the death of a relationship. So sin is disobedience to God. And uh, we can choose to directly disobey God's commands. And we can also choose to obey God's commands, right? So worship is really a choice. And that's, that's the point that I'm trying to make here this morning, that worship is a choice. Disobedience to God is a choice. You know, we make, you know, hundreds of choices a day. But what, what choices are we making? Are we, are we choosing to follow after God and yield to him? Or are we choosing to follow our own fleshly, ungodly, carnal desires? So my third point this morning is worship positions us for his transformation in our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I love these scriptures because I think they're so powerful. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. So what has he done for you? He's forgiven us of all of our sins. He's given us new life. He's filled us with his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is committed to you. So let me ask you to consider something. Are you committed to him? What does your life show? Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In other words, you'll do the things that I've asked you to do. You'll do the things that I exampled for you to do. Your life will, ex- will, will demonstrate that you love me because of this relationship. Verse 12, one continues, Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Submit yourself to him as a living sacrifice. Let's live the life he's called us to live. This sacrifice comes from choosing to follow him and his desire, his purpose, his plan for our lives. Romans 12, 1 continues, this is truly, this is truly the way to worship him. So if we want to really worship the Lord, we need to go out and live it. We need to live this thing out. Again, this is not about performing. It's about being transformed into the image of Christ that the old, the old life is gone. That old stuff is gone. We can... Uh, well, let me say this. Giving and submitting our lives to him is an expression of our worship. Amen. We can read about it. We can talk about this kind of life. But he wants us to live it. He wants us to go out and live this thing out. Romans 12.1 Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2 Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The church is not supposed to look like the world. Who is the church? Okay, so we should look differently. The Bible talks about when we get saved, we're a new creation, that we're made new, we're made uh, fresh. Believers are supposed to look and act differently. So I hope that you have some unsaved friends. You probably do. Why? So that you can share the hope and the love of Christ with them. So that they can see something different in you that will encourage them or draw them into this relationship. 
I'm not, I'm not proposing that you act like them. Here, uh, why don't you drink some of this? No, I don't want any. No, no thanks. I don't drink that stuff anymore. Here, smoke some of this. No, no thank you. I don't smoke it. In fact, I'm going to leave right now in case the cops come. I don't want to be here. <laughs> but what are we living? What are we exampling? And listen, I don't know anybody. The most godly people I know are not perfect. None of us are perfect. But can we be an example? <laughs> Can, can we live this thing out? Again, I'm not talking about performing, but I'm talking about God transforming our life. Our new life should be different from our old life. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God. Allow God. Yield to God. Give it up to God. I feel like a rap coming on. Give it up. Give it up, y'all. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because when our, our thinking comes into alignment with God's purpose and plan and His will and His word, when we begin to think like that, we begin to act a little differently. Because we're not going to change our, our, our habits or our lifestyles until we begin to think differently. Wait a minute, man. Wait, wait, this is not good for me. And it takes the Holy Spirit and it takes the Lord working in our lives to, to bring us to that point sometimes. Sometimes we have to hit a, a wall and then we begin to think a little differently. Oh, wow, I just ran into a wall. Maybe I need to think a little bit differently here. So this new life should be different from our old life. This transformation process continues the entire time we're on this earth. Has anybody arrived? Anybody arrived here today? Are you there? No, I don't think so. So you're in good company. As he transforms our way of thinking, our actions and our lives begin to change because we are changed from the inside out. The Lord removed my, de my desire to smoke weed. I used to smoke a lot of weed. Don't look at me like that. Some of you guys did too. <laughs> <laughs> I know some of you did. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's like God began to take that desire away from me. And, uh, you know, God can do those kinds of things. What, whatever struggles that we have, whatever challenges that we have, the Lord is still transforming my life. I attempt to place myself in a fertile, healthy environment that is conducive to being in His presence. And that's why worship is so vitally important because we're placing our ourself in that environment. I'm not going to the, the houses of ill repute. I'm not going to the video, the adult video store. I'm not going to the hood where the drugs are being sold. I'm coming into the house of God where there are people, like-minded people, that are intent on worshiping God, not just playing church, not just acting it out as a hypocrite, coming in here on Sunday morning or on Thursday morning or Wednesday night, and then walking out and living something different, but people that are engaged, people that will encourage me the word says that we are to encourage one another, 
to what? Acts of love and good works. And you can't encourage me if you're not here. You can't encourage me if I'm not here. See, we need one another. And there's a dynamic of worship that happens when we come together in one accord. I'm not talking about a Honda. Come together in one accord and worship Him. In fact, today is called Pentecost Sunday. You know what happened 2,000 years ago? This is when the believers were in the, up, were in the room together praying in one accord <laughs> together. They were praying together. And God, Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to fall upon them. That was really the birth of the church. And then they began to go out. So we're celebrating, in effect, today, Pentecost Sunday, because this is the birth of the church. But God doesn't want us just to look back at the history in the past of what they did. God wants to do that today through us and through our lives. So Jesus is the catalyst for my life change. He begins to change my way of thinking he begins to uh, transform me because my way of thinking can be driven by my emotions. It can be driven by my insecurities. So we can yield to the Lord and say, God, show me where, show me where my emotions are just all messed up. Husbands and wives, look at me right now. Show me where my emotions are messed up. Show me my insecurities. That I would be secure in you and that I wouldn't have to demonstrate the insecurity that comes from my life. Whatever that looks like. His healing, his revelation, his exposure to the woundedness in our hearts and lives are available to me when I begin to worship. When I take my mind off of me, And I say, God, I'm just coming into your presence today. Abba, Father, Daddy, I just want to crawl up in your lap. And and I I just want you to speak to me. I just want to be in your presence. I just want you to hug me. My focus is not on me or my circumstances, but it begins to shift to him. And he begins to show me how much he loves me. In spite of myself, my focus is not on me or my circumstances. He can then begin to reveal his heart to me. And this can be a starting point for my transformation, my yielding to him. As God begins to speak to me and wash over me. So my first point this morning is worship and sin both have internal and external expressions. Worship should be a demonstration by the way, uh, I'm sorry, worship should be demonstrated by the way that we live our life. My third point, worship positions us for his transformation in our lives. The Lord's desire is to have a vibrant, authentic relationship with us. That's his, I believe that's his greatest desire. And 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And if we want to live by God's power, if we want to walk in victory, if we want to um, have the Lord just explode in our lives and do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think, it's going to require this relationship 
because he's not going to pour into a vessel. He's not going to entrust his prized possessions to people that are cruddy, that don't love him, that are not looking out for his best interests, that don't have his heart, and they don't have his passion. Why would he trust his most prized possession to someone that was complacent or lackadaisical about his prized possession? What's your prized possession? Would you just let anybody take possession of it? Would you let anybody drive that car? Would you let anybody just take that painting and hang it in their garage or their workshop? Would you take that prized possession and be casual with it? Would we take this prized possession this, this, that God has given us a heart of worship would we abuse it? Would we, would we be casual about it? Or would we say, God, I thank you. Thank you for what you've done. I have great adoration for you. And I just want to worship you. I want you to speak to my life. I want you to, to help me through my challenges. I want you to help me through my insecurities, my woundedness. I, I just love, I love the relationships that are, that are here in this house. I, I just love you guys. And I so appreciate all of you so very, very much. This, this is what family is supposed to be like. This is, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be like, where we can just be real with one another. <laughs> love one another with our warts and insecurities and issues. If you don't think you have any issues, you can ask the person with you, and they'll probably help you with that. Thank you, Juan. That was good. I, I want to. We've been going out every week, uh, reciting this scripture that the Lord gave to Moses and told Aaron to bless the people with. So, would you stand and let's recite the, these uh, these few scriptures together? It's number six twenty four through twenty six. Join me, please. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. May we walk out in that peace. May we walk out with that Pentecost Sunday power, the Holy Ghost Spirit power living in us and touch a lost and dying world. Amen. Thank you for being here today. The prayer team will be up here. I want to challenge you. You know what? Go out and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless.